In the words of a king, there is power. And as we behold him with unveiled faces, we're transformed into the very image of God. Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. K. Ijishesan, brought to you by Kingswood Ministries International. We believe that as you listen, faith is stirred up in you to become all that God has called you to be. This morning, uh, we're going to continue our series on unveiling Jesus uh, with a focus on God's abundant grace, the abundant grace of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 14 says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Spirit be with us. Now, in that particular verse of the scripture, you will realize that the, the, the grace of God was attached to the person of Jesus. Last week, we looked at the foundation of love where unveiling Jesus is concerned because love was what brought Jesus to us. In fact, the only reason why we had an opportunity to encounter Jesus was love. For God so loved the world that he gave. And if there was anything that was stressed emphatically last week, is the fact that the love of God is more important than the love for God. God wants us to love him. He wants us to love humanity. But until we have a revelation of how much we are loved by him, there will be a struggle to love. Because we can only love because we know how well we are loved. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19 says, He first loved us. We love him because he loved us first. So this love thing started with God. So when we're talking about veiling Jesus, it starts from the place of knowing the love of God. First John chapter 4, verse 16 says, we have known and believe. And when the Bible is talking about knowing love, it's not talking about a mental ascent. You know, just, okay, Jesus loves me, I know. But a deep revelation which is centered around what Jesus did for us on the cross. Because what he did in that substitutionary death, by the way, he did not die as a martyr. He did not die for the crime he committed. He died because of your crime. And that's love at his height. John chapter 15 verse 13 says, Greater love has no man than this, than for a man to lay down. So if we want to really understand love, we have to go back to the cross. Nothing describes love more than what Jesus did. So when we're, we're talking about knowing the love of God, you have to really understand what took place on the cross. Because what took place on the cross was literally the father having his own son killed because of the people that disobeyed him. Man sinned, and yet God killed his son for man to have man back. That is beyond human understanding. And that's why John, if Ephesians chapter 3 calls that love the love that passes knowledge. It does not make sense. That's why the, the preaching of the cross is called, is, is, is a foolishness, is a foolish thing to a natural mind. It does not make sense. It's a nearly too good to be true news 
that somebody will die for someone who does not deserve it. And that's why we call it unmerited favor. Turn to your neighbor and say, the favor of God is beyond what you can pay for. Just receive it. And that takes me, that leads me to today's message. Unveiling Jesus part two, which is about his abundant grace. It's criminal for a believer not to understand the nature of God's grace. It's criminal. Write it down. It's criminal. It's criminal to be under a covenant and you don't understand the nature of that covenant. One of the things that was trashed, that, that, that was well trashed, this last Grace Academy, is the fact that, you know, a lot of believers are still trying to, to, to you know, mix a little bit of Jesus and a little bit of Moses. They're still trying to perform, to deserve. When Jesus has sacrificed all that was needed, and now God is saying, I just need you to receive. You will never be able to perform enough to receive what God gives by grace. Write it down. I will never be able to perform enough to receive what God gives by grace. The new covenant was deliberately put together to take care of man by the supplies of God. So it's literally God saying, I will be responsible for you. I will take care of you. I will be your father. I will be your protector. I will be your provider. I will be everything you will ever need. In fact, all I need you to do is to be positioned to receive what I will supply. Whereas the law was put together to demand of man. The covenant of grace was put together to supply for man. So a covenant, an agreement was in place to demand from man. And this new one is to supply to man or for man. Jeremiah chapter 31 and from verse 31. Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 31. It says, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. So a new agreement has been put together. Verse 32. I'm going to read all the way to verse 34. Verse 32 says, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the days when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. In other words, there's a distinction between the agreement that Moses and the children of Israel were under when they were coming out of Egypt. And that's why now when you read the Old Testament, you must read it in the light of the new covenant. Because there are certain things that you will see in the old covenant that applied to them that don't apply to you. But you can still see the mind of God in their stories. But you can't just take it like it was delivered and apply it to you because it was given to them before the veil of the temple was torn, before Jesus was made available. Jesus was still concealed then, but now Jesus is revealed. So you read it in the context of the new agreement. It says, I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke. I want you to take note of that. They broke that covenant. 
Now, the question is, can you break this new covenant? Let me get some response this morning. Can you break this new covenant? I don't say confident yes or no. Can you break this new covenant? They broke it because God made it with them. But you can't break this one because God made it with Jesus. Jesus was there representing you. And Jesus is ever committed. How many of you are glad you have a reliable agreement like that? That is not based on the inconsistency of the nature of man. They broke it because, I mean, Moses was representing them. But here, Jesus is representing us. Moses was the mediator of that covenant, but Jesus is the mediator of this new covenant. Oh, oh, the Holy Spirit has left me because I sinned. No. Should you sin? No, but he cannot leave you because the covenant was not made with you technically. It was made with Jesus. So when you have done something wrong, what should you do? Say, Lord, I'm sorry, but don't ever think he walked away. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Or, or your own translation has a condition. Come on, talk to me. Does, does your translation have a condition? Say, I, I will leave you. I will never leave you nor forsake you until you do this. Don't you never say, he will never. No. Oh, come on, I can't hear you. Say it with audacity. Say, he will never leave me. Israel were left severally. But concerning the new creation, he will never be left. Hey, hey, hey. I feel like God is far from me. You are the one far from him. He did not leave. Just renew your mind. He never left you. Now say with audacity, say he will never. He will never. He will never leave you nor forsake you. They broke it, but you can't break this one. I say you cannot break it. They broke it, but he designed a new one that you cannot break. You can only break what you made. You didn't make it. So how can you break it? It was made on your behalf. He that knew no sin was made to be seen. That you might become. You only became it. You did not make it. He said, my covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. Verse 33. But this is the covenant, I love this, that I will make with the house of Israel after those days. I know if you are glad to be in these days. Let me hear you. I know if you are glad to be in these days. Is this, see somebody is not, are you glad to be in these days? Or you rather be in the days when you need to take ram, goat, pigeon? Some of you have never seen a pigeon before. Should I ask the question? If you have seen a pigeon before in your life, raise up your hand. Half of the congregation or less. But those were the things they would bring to service those days to offer. But it says, in your days, he said, I will make a covenant. And in this covenant, look at it. He said, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Now turn to your neighbor and say, hello. hello. Do you know I'm God's child? You know I'm, God's child. I'm one of his people. Verse 34. 
He says, no more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother say, know the Lord, for they all shall know me from the least of them for the great, to the greatest of them, says the Lord. I will forgive their iniquity. Hey. And their sins I will remember no more. Don't you never say, God, God does not have a record of my sin. The blood of Jesus was so strong that he made the way with my sin. You know, the blood of animals that were being shed under the old covenant only covered the sins. But when Jesus' blood was shed, that blood was too strong that it took sin out. Hey, my life. Do you know if you have this revelation, sin will see you and start running. Because the blood took sin out. It was a knockout. It was a knockout. Remembrance of sin on your part as a believer is you slighting what Jesus did. Because he says the blood took it out. He took it out so much that God cannot even remember it as sharp as God is. If the sharp God cannot remember your sin, what is your own kind of smartness that now have a memory full of sins? Oh, in 2024. Okay, we're not yet 2024. In 2020, in 2017, oh my God, I did something terrible. Oh my God, I really feel bad. I really, do you know, anytime you think like that, you weaken your ability to, to maximize and take advantage of your covenant. A new creation does not think sin, it thinks righteousness. Because sin is empowered when you think it. Let's put sin where it belongs. Where does it belong? Wiped out, blotted out, taken out, knocked out. Because the remembrance of sin helps no man. A couple of years ago, I had the privilege of ministering to a young man who, 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 had, been, who had been abused. Some of us think it's only women that abuse. Men are abused. This man was abused consistently, maybe from around age 13, 14, by a neighborhood aunt. True life story. I've known him for years and I did not even know that was what he was dealing with. So uh, the weight of that, the addiction, I mean, sexual addiction was so much on him that one day he just called me. He was in another state. He said, Pastor, I can't take it again. I'm like, what's going on? He said, there's something I've been dealing with all my, all my adult life. But I'm tired now. I said, what's it? He said, I have a strange sexual addiction. I sleep with anything. I said, Really? You don't know what people are dealing with until they open their mouth. And he narrated the story to me, how the mom left him, maybe at 8, 13, with a neighbor, an older neighbor, you know, who was in her 30s, and said, okay, I'm running out, I'm going to do some errands, can you watch my kids for me? But guess what? The neighbor undressed him. The neighbor taught him how to have sex. And from 13, 14, she start, he started sleeping with her. Until it got to a point that she, he was addicted to it. Initially, he told me, he said, he first string, but after a while, he was the one asking for it. And after a while, the neighbor moved out, but the damage was already done. So he continued in that lifestyle. Came to America. And you know, the devil is so stupid. He will always put people around him 
who wants it, including married people. So he was never short of clients. They were available everywhere. He said, I can't even count how many people I've slept with. And no commitment. It's just do it and move on. I said, Pastor, I'm a Christian. This ought not to happen. And after he narrated the whole story to me, maybe he thought I was going to get mad and say, I'm disappointed in you. I'm this. I, can't, I was calm. I said, Pastor, what's going on? I said, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He said, okay. I said, you are. And I just narrowed down on righteousness. And I kept on hiring it. Jesus died for your sin. And, and he made you righteous. Jesus, this is who you are. It's an identity issue. You've not been able to see yourself in the light of who you became. Either new no sin was made to be seen. Now, to bring forth the fruits of righteousness, you must embrace the gift of righteousness. You know, when you see people hammering on fruits without letting people know there is a gift that is responding for the fruits, it's just setting people up for, for frustration. So I hammered on the fact that he has a gift of righteousness that has nothing to do with his weakness or his struggles. Ladies and gentlemen, in a few months, this same man was delivered. All he had to say, I said, anytime that hodge comes, just say, I'm the righteousness of God. I'm the righteous. I'm not a sinner. Jesus died to change my nature. I'm the righteousness of God. I have the gift of righteousness. Ladies and gentlemen, God delivered him. He got married. He has children now. That is how powerful this truth is. Understanding who you are by Jesus. That is how amazing the grace of God is. Somebody says, if you keep on talking about grace, 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 people will misbehave. No, people will know themselves. The reason why people are misbehaving is because they have not been shown themselves. There's a knowing by revelation that releases you out. No, I'm not a sinner. I'm not a fraudulent man. I'm not a liar. I'm not a shit. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 1 verse 11 says, Be filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Christ Jesus. The problem is some of us are trying to fill ourselves with fruits of, fruits of righteousness by effort. There was a covenant which was all about the effort of man. And ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, nobody was able to fulfill it until Jesus came. Abundant grace. <laughs> Glory to God. Glory to God. Around, come on, did you get something from this so far? Abundant grace. Don't deny yourself. Next time someone says you are the right, just say, ah, no, 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 I'm a sinner. Ask your neighbor, say, are you a sinner? If you're supposed to say sinner, please walk him out, walk out. Let's lead him in the sinners. Sinners, they do what? Sinners. Prayer. Don't you know say, are you a sinner? Or righteousness of God? I hope nobody say I'm both. Because that would be a bipolar. Tell your neighbor, say neighbor. You are either a sinner or the righteousness of God. Tell him what I said, do not be afraid to call yourself what God has called you. Jump up and shout, I am the righteousness of God. Don't ever deny yourself. Even when you have just misbehaved, the next thing to do is recall yourself. You may be seated. I am the righteousness of God. In rounding up, let me just run through a few things. Grace is the basis of the new covenant and is established in the blood of Jesus. 
is about man receiving beyond what he deserves. Now, everything I've said this morning, do you deserve it? No. And that's why it's called grace, unmerited favor. The question is, are you humble enough to receive it? Because the Bible says he came to his own and his own received him not. But as many as receive him. Now listen, he can only help people that receive. As massive, as wonderful, as great as uh, uh, that grace is. Grace can only help people that know how to receive. And a major part of receiving it is confidently acknowledging the fact that you are the righteousness of God. I say, really? Is that important? Yes. Romans chapter 5, verse 17. If there's any confession you must make every day, more important than confession of sin or confession is the confession of the fact that you are righteous. At the core of the person you have become is righteousness. In fact, righteousness is the force that drives everything in the kingdom. So when you deny your righteous nature, you literally weaken yourself. Look at Romans 5.17. It says, if for by one man's offense, death reigned through that one, much more. Turn to your neighbor say, much more. I can't hear you say, much more. You know, people talk about how Adam sinned in the garden. A lot of people can preach about the sin of Adam. But there's something more important. And that's what I'm about to lead to now. Much more. Don't major in the mess of Adam. Major in the grace of Jesus. Oh, if not for what Adam did. Okay, we've had enough of what Adam did. Much more. Much more. Stop blaming Adam. I once had a preacher that saying that he won't be surprised that if we get to, when we get to heaven, Adam, we have extra security. Because a lot of people, they just want to walk straight. Although by then, your mind would have been renewed. You want to walk straight. I said, Adam, see what you did. Much more. All the mess Adam created was fixed by Jesus. So let's, let's focus on the solution, not the problem. Adam created the problem. Jesus provided the solution. Much more. Is there much more? Those who receive. Can you pay attention to that? Those who receive. So God can only help people that receive. He came to his own and his own received him not. So this grace that we preach, as powerful as it is, can only help people that know how to receive. And that's why the Bible says, the just shall live by faith. What is faith? Faith is receiving grace. It simply means you live by receiving. You live, I mean, if there's any skill, you must acquire is receiving skill. I receive, I receive. Wake up every morning. Don't be shy to receive. I receive. I receive help for my job. I receive help for my children. I, re I receive help for my, for my commutes. I receive help for my health. I receive help for my marriage. I receive. Say, but at this rate, always receiving, you know, is, is it fair on God? God loves it when you receive. Write it down. God loves it when you receive. In fact, when you don't receive, that's when God is displaced. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6, it says he gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to somebody who is humble enough 
to demand, to ask for help. How many of you have met people before that don't like asking for help? And if you're a friend of one of such people, do you get impressed when you realize they've been in a mess for so long and you could have fixed the mess, but they never asked for it? Do you get impressed? No, 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 no. I don't, don't like putting out my things out, you know. How do you describe people like that? Say it loud, let me hear. How do you describe people like that? See, see, I love yeah, say. Loretta, say it again, say it again. You are proud. Say, no, 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 no. That, that's not the way I was raised. You are raised to be proud. No, 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 no. no in a house, we can suffer forever. We will never. They didn't raise you well. And let us raise you well in church. God says, ask. And it shall be given. That your joy may be full. Receive. So I say, really? Is it fair? Always just taking from God. Yes, it's fair. Because God loves it when you receive from him. Let me tell you. John chapter 1 verse 17. Because maybe in your natural mind, you're thinking, oh, at this rate, if you keep on asking like this, it will, you will run out. There will not be enough supplies. He said, for the law was given to Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now, go to verse 14. Let's go to verse 14. He said, or verse 16, verse 16, verse 16. I prefer verse 16, the preceding verse. He says, of his fullness we have all received and grace for grace. Grace after grace. The nature of God's grace is as one level is being released, another level is already waiting to unleash. Grace can never be, can never run out. Put it down. Grace can never run out. In fact, the Bible says where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. Or let me put it this way. Where needs abound, grace abounds much more. Grace is bigger than the demand on it. So grace does not just match the need, it overwhelms the need. But you must ask for it. They will receive abundance of grace. Can you see? It's abundant. Those who receive abundance of grace. So here, verse 16, John chapter 1, verse 16 talks about fullness. Romans chapter 5, verse 17 talks about abundance. Can you see? The adjectives are being used to qualify grace. It's full. Is abundant. So please, dare to ask. Ask and you shall receive. He said the people that will be effective in life, people that will reign by the God kind of life are the people that receive abundance of grace and the gift. There is a gift that is more important than every other gift is the gift of righteousness. That is the gift that Jesus has given to you and I. And you must receive it. You declare it. You believe it. You act like it. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And the more you hone that gift, the more it impacts your behavior, your attitude, your works, and you begin to bring forth fruits of righteousness. Jesus is grace personified. 
You know, when you read the stories of Jesus, you know, on heart, while he was on heart, you will see grace spelled out. In John chapter 8 from verse 3, there's a story told of a woman who was caught in an act of adultery. This woman did not even, they did, the evidence was there. I, I, I mean, that's a story for another day. How did they catch her? Were they, or maybe it's one of their friends that slept with her. So they had evidence against her. You committed adultery. And they brought this woman to Jesus. He said, can you see? If you are really a man of God, if you are really a son of God, what will you do to this situation? This woman sinned. And Jesus did not deny that he sinned. She sinned. But what she, the first thing she did was she dismissed all the accusers. Write it down. Jesus is not in the ministry of accusing. In fact, he has a strong stand against accusers of brethren. I hope nobody has that title here. They are the one that is always going around saying, you call yourself a child of God. Because who is the accuser of brethren? I hope he has not given anybody a contract. You call yourself a child of God. You call yourself a man of God. It's not your job. It's the job of the devil. Don't work for him. So this woman who was caught in an act of adultery came, was brought to Jesus and rather than Jesus condemn her, what did she do? What did he do? He identified with her, dismissed all the accusers and turned to her. He said, neither do I condemn you. And at the end of it, he said, go and sin no more. Get on your feet. Go and sin no more. So, Grace does not jump into go and see no more. It first of all justifies you. It first of all dismisses all the accusation against you. He hands you over a gift of righteousness that you don't deserve. Then he now says, go and see no more. So ultimately, grace is the power of our sin. But it starts by justifying the unjust. Because the only way you will empower the unjust to live over sin by giving him a justification he does not deserve. Now turn to your neighbor and say, I have been justified, have been justified. Freely. freely. I'm not a criminal. I'm not a criminal. And I don't see myself as a criminal. I'm not under condemnation because the just God has justified me freely. Not based on my performance, but based on grace. Now that I've received grace, I have capacity to bear fruits of righteousness. Come on, why are you blessed this morning? That's how grace works. Grace justifies the unjust and gives the unjust the gift of righteousness so that it will now have the platform to bear the fruits of righteousness because ultimately the power over sin is grace romans 6 14 for sin shall no longer have dominion over you because you are not under the law but grace what gives sin power is the law 
What is the law? A sense of performance. What is grace? That mode of receiving. I receive from you. And before you know it, you begin to get into what I call accidental holiness. People will say, you're a very nice man. You're a kind man. You're like, when did I become nice? When did I become this gentle? Because the change is coming from him. What? Grace has gone into the recesses of your heart, your motivation, your thoughts. And it has changed you. The engine has been reconstructed. And now the products are good. Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. If grace would take a murderer like Paul, who was there, in fact, he gave them the legal covering to kill Stephen and say, I will make you an apostle. That's how crazy grace is. Grace does not check your past record. Grace sees beyond your mess and releases you into great productivity beyond your wildest imagination. Come on, celebrate grace this morning. Come on. Can you say after me, say, I am a believer in the grace of God. I identify with the gift of righteousness. There's abundance of grace. Say loud and clear. Say with with another. There's an abundance of grace. Don't be afraid to ask. Over and over. Grace after grace. The more you ask, the more He gives. So keep on asking. Don't be proud. Receive grace. Come on, celebrate Jesus this morning. We hope you've been richly blessed by this teaching from Kingswood Ministries International. Feel free to visit our website at kingswood.org for more inspiring teachings by Dr. K. Ijishasong. There you'd also find other helpful materials and further information about this ministry. God bless you richly.